Welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I believe there's a rhythm and art in everything that we do. This is my journey about how I went from being a hip hop dancing engineer to a multifamily real estate investor. If you want to learn more about how you can start investing in real estate, stay tuned to learn from multifamily real estate investors and hear how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Koo. But before I bring in today's guest, I want to remind you that this show is brought to you by Nightly Productions. 2020 was one, a heck of a year that saw many businesses double down on virtual content creation and even more businesses fall to the wayside. So if you already have a platform, a podcast, a YouTube channel, and you're ready to shift into creating more tactical content that breaks through the noise, please check out Nightly Productions and find out how they can stop wasting time and money on content that doesn't deliver. Now, for today's guest, I'm really excited about this one. She is a full-time registered nurse in Los Angeles, California. She uses her skills as a leader in healthcare operations to manage multifamily syndications. She also helps busy medical professionals create passive income through real estate investing. Savannah uses her mind, mindset tools and goal setting to elevate herself within the healthcare system, as well as create a real estate business. Please give a warm welcome to Savannah, the net worth nurse Arroyo. Hi, thank you, Taylor. I'm super stoked to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And you know, we're on the on the West Coast in a very early morning. It is 6 a.m. <laughs> right now. And I'm just I'm stoked just to have you here at this time. Same. So, so, so thank you. But, you know, I know I just gave a little bit of an intro, but I'd love if you just let me know a little bit more about yourself and how you even got into real estate in the first place. Yes, definitely. So I'm from Northern California. I grew up in Sacramento. I went to uh, Sac State and got my nursing degree from that university. And I worked in a couple of different specialties in Northern California and then naturally found myself in some leadership positions. So I went back to school and got my master's degree in nursing and leadership and administration. And then right now I work at a hospital down here in Los Angeles, California, and oversee multiple departments at a hospital here. It was when I was on maternity leave with my second daughter last year that my husband and I just started looking at different ways that we could start investing. We could start creating multiple streams of income. We wanted to generate some passive income and we stumbled upon real estate and uh, we kind of went down the single family home route at first. And then after we quickly transitioned into multifamily syndications, because we really just wanted to scale and create a business. Hmm. Okay. And when you had that single, I, I love to dive into, you know, that single family um, experience. Like, was there, was there a certain experience or moment that you've had that made you realize like, okay, like I need to scale up pretty quickly? Yes. Just the single family home route to begin with. I mean, you have to have capital to keep buying those deals and it's kind of, I mean, it's a get rich slow method, right? You're growing wealth over amount of time. And we were comfortable with doing that ideal and wanting to make it work. But then when we found kind of the business aspect of the syndication side and how natural it fit into my husband and I's skill set and personalities, uh, we kind of went that route. But the single family home, like originally we live here in 
in LA. So we were trying to do the burn method, which is buying a house uh, really below market value, kind of something that needs a full rehab, renovating it, renting it out, refinancing with the goal of pulling out all that capital that you initially put in and then repeating it. So we're like, okay, this is the way we can make it grow. But the problem was we were going to be purchasing in Atlanta, Georgia. That's the market we were looking in. We built a team up over there. And when it came down to submitting offers on some of these single family homes that needed full rehabs, we were just, we didn't feel comfortable doing that across the country. It just wasn't something that we wanted to manage while working full-time stressful jobs, having two kids at home. Like we didn't want it to be a stressful experience. So we ended up going the turnkey route, which ended up being so amazing for us. And those we kind of just have, they're sitting on the back burner because they're brand new build to rent projects. They're cash flowing. They're really good. We're just waiting, hope, you know, waiting on the appreciation game for those ones. They're in a really great market. And then we switched into the value add multifamily. You know, what's, what's really interesting is that, you know, when, when purchasing like a turnkey in Atlanta, Georgia, y'all started with like this, the single family homes and banking on appreciation and realizing that uh, it does take a lot of work to manage out of states. And then uh, the mindset of saying, okay, now I'm going to jump into even more units. <laughs> um, mm. and, and I'm assuming, are you investing in state or out of state for these? Out of state. Yeah. Investing more units out of state. And so, you know, that could seem like a very daunting task, especially as like full-time uh, professionals. And I'd love to just dive into the story and just like maybe even like some of the struggles and the mindset that you had when trying to get into that first syndication that, that you had. Yeah, definitely. So education is key. So educating yourself on everything that you need to do to take down a syndication deal. So switching in from to, from single family home into multifamily, especially syndications where you're raising other money, other people's money. There's all these legal things that go into it. So we really just educated ourselves, bought all the books. We were watching webinars. We were listening to podcasts. We were learning from people out there doing it, connecting with people. We, My husband and I actually enrolled in a coaching mentorship program because for us, it was we wanted to invest in that to have an extra set of eyes, someone with 20 plus years experience overlooking all our underwriting, making sure we weren't missing anything, especially because that first deal we had planned to raise money from friends and family, and then we were investing in it as well. And so we wanted to make sure everything was done by the book legally, that things were done right. And so for us, that gave us the confidence. The mentorship coaching program gave us the confidence to start submitting offers and take that first step and actually start taking those action steps to acquiring a multifamily deal. So that mentorship really helps and just had that extra set of eyes and gave you all some, some confidence uh, going into the game. Now, I would love to dive in just like some of the skill sets that you and uh, your husband have, especially in more particular too, like coming from the the medical field uh, mm-hmm. because i know that some of the some of the limiting beliefs that you know some people have is oh i don't have enough experience or you know cash and you know my field doesn't really relate to to real estate so so what are the some of the transferable skills that you brought that you've learned from the medical field over to real estate 
Yes, definitely. So in um, healthcare right now, I oversee operations. So I oversee the operational aspect of multiple units in the hospital. So I'm constantly communicating with physicians, with uh, my team of nurses, techs that I have, interdisciplinary units. I mean, even pharmacists, EVS, lab, all that stuff encompassing the big scheme of communication that takes to run these apartments because it's very much a team sport. There's so much collaboration efforts into rolling out new process improvement projects or even rolling out new initiatives or switching supplies. I mean, there's constant change in healthcare. I mean, we saw it, especially over the pandemic of kind of pivoting and adjusting to the needs of healthcare. And it takes a lot of oversight and seeing the big picture, being able to communicate well with all members of your team, being a strong leader into finding out information that you or your team don't know the answers to. So that's something I've been doing for a few years and a few different specialties. And I, I really just enjoy it. I love working with the team. I love being able to help out my team of nurses when they're struggling with something and finding the answers for them. So that's very similar into taking down a syndication deal of there's a lot of moving pieces. You're talking to the broker, property manager, you're doing investors, you're trying to get the lending terms, the lawyer. So being able to manage a large project from a bird's eye view and being able to kind of move the pieces around and delegate certain tasks and follow up on certain open items, like that's that's huge for an, for an operational standpoint. And that's something that I like doing. So that's kind of a role that I take on in our deals. And then also I'm uh, doing investor relations because I love connecting with people and especially medical professionals and sharing the amazing benefits of real estate. And my husband, he does a lot of the asset management and acquisition. So he's creating the relationships with the brokers to get the deals flowing. And he is an Excel wizard. He does benefits <laughs> consulting for yeah benefits for businesses. So nice. he has a lot of experience with kind of the numbers and that side of things. So we did that first syndication deal side by side together. We went through every step of the process together, the underwriting, the offering, the raising money we were doing doing investor calls together. And really we did that just so we could learn the whole business inside out. And then after we did that first deal, we really naturally kind of split up the business to appeal to our different skill sets. Wow. That is, I mean, what what's really impressive is that y'all were doing this with a family and with full-time jobs. And, you know, I'm, I'm hearing this and I, I'm, I'm just absolutely inspired just because, you know, I mean, one of the, one of the limiting beliefs that I have, and I don't even have a family, is that like, how do people have enough time to really just like do all of this? And so, I'd love to just dive into just a little bit more of just like how how are you able to manage this big of a workload? You know, moving forward and, and tackling on these different tasks and having these different conversations. Yeah, our why is so strong. Our when we first got into real estate and started learning about it, and especially when we wanted to switch into multifamily and create a business with it, we got we sat down, my husband and I, and got very specific about what we wanted to do with real estate. And we set a five, 10 year goal of like where we wanted to be, where we envisioned ourselves because of the work we were going to put into real estate. And then at five years, what do we need to be doing? 
three years, one year, and now what do we need to do on a monthly, weekly basis to get there? And when you kind of work backwards in terms of setting your goals, it really lays out the blueprint of like what you need to be doing, actionable steps on a very regular basis to get there. And so it was pretty much laid out in front of us. Like we need to be submitting this many offers a week. We need to be connecting with this many investors a week. We need to be underwriting this many, you know, if we're exploring a new market, what steps do we need to take to do that? And because our why is so strong at the end of the day, come home from work, we spend quality time with our daughters. We do dinner time, bath time, bedtime together as a family. Aww. We put our phones away. We do that with our daughters for the couple hours in the night. And then usually after we put them away, we get grinding on real estate. And yes, some days it's like exhausted from our full-time jobs. You know, if I have a tough day at the hospital, even if my girls are being tough at home and then like <laughs> being like, okay, now I get it to go into real estate, but it's like kind of a mindset shift of like, okay, this is a different thing. And I'll like make a glass of tea, a cup of tea or something and kind of just make that mental switch of like, okay, now I'm going to be doing real estate. And honestly, my husband and I make it fun. Like we're not always working on the same stuff together, but if we can kind of like bounce ideas off each other, talk about things, it makes it more collaborative. And we just, we have a lot of fun with it. Now, I love that y'all had y'all have fun with it and you make it fun, but then also, you know, that you're still spending time with family because, you know, it in, you know, when I was just jumping into this industry and as I am still jumping into this industry, I still thought that people just kind of had to give up everything that they had and, and make that sacrifice and not really focus on the important things. But the fact that you're still able to accomplish all these goals powered by your big why is is inspiring. Like it, I think it's it's really cool and, and to be able to spend that family time and then also being able to spend that, you know, that quality time with your husband on on these goals. Like that's that's a really cool, cool goal to, to have. And that's that's relationship goals, not gonna lie. <laughs> no, that's no, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Uh, now, you know, diving diving back into the investor relations side with talking with other medical professionals i mean we we're still going through a pandemic and some story that i heard from one of one of my uh, someone in my network was saying that when the time hit he actually had he never wrote his will and he was afraid that he was never going to make it past the pandemic just because it was so new and it was his it was his son's birthday in a couple of days and he actually wrote the will on his son's birthday because he wasn't sure what was gonna happen with the pandemic. And so I I mean just hearing that story and and you know and hearing like how hard it is like as a medical professional to be putting your life on the line, did you see a, a shift in people's mindsets within the medical field to invest in real estate? I have seen a huge shift in medical professionals' attitude, overall feeling about healthcare, a hundred percent. This pandemic has been very, very tough on healthcare workers, frontline workers. I mean, I don't really do bedside care anymore. And I was doing bedside care in the ICU for a few months, just breaking nurses for lunches because they were not getting lunches and they were way out of ratio with patients. And it was just insane and seeing people, I mean, I don't know how those nurses were coming into work every day, like legit, they were just drowning in the patient load. And that part was devastating to see 
people, I mean, some people are definitely called to action of like being there to serve and in their career for the right place and wanting to do that. But if you don't have the resources to do it right and not feel supported by your organization. And I mean, our we I work for a great organization and we were trying our best to support the caregivers in every way we could, but it was just so flooded that it was hard to do that at points. And definitely I've seen the attitude and nurses very much change. I mean, when the stock market like went down at the beginning of COVID, people that were close to retirement were now very felt trapped in the jobs and people didn't know what was going to happen with the economy. And for people who are only investing in their retirement accounts, I mean, it's just that that one nest egg is just not enough. And that was kind of the biggest thing that I saw of like these people that were relying on their 401ks and 4013Bs as their sole form of retirement being shown that how unpredictable it really is and not how secure that investment is. That was very eye-opening. And then it's given me the opportunity to share with medical professionals and other people, friends and family, just the other forms of investing and real estate. And I mean, the multifamily class has been so stable throughout the pandemic in certain markets. I mean, in the markets we're investing in, we're having still zero delinquencies in the buildings since the beginning of the pandemic. So it just goes to show, I mean, people need a place to live. There's a lot of different supports from the government in terms of like subsidizing rent and providing some economic relief for people just to have a place to live. So that sector wasn't hit as hard and people are still making a profit in that investment strategy. And so really just sharing that knowledge with medical professionals has been what I've become so passionate about. And I love what you're doing too, because I don't see, like, I don't see many medical professionals even like taking the taking the route to be an active investor and also educating these other medical professionals, just because you know, mostly I see just other real estate investors, like going to medical professional conferences or just like trying to talk to them to kind of try to convince them. But the fact that you're actually in it, living it, and then leading by example, is just something that, you know, I'm, I'm inspired by. I feel like I'm using this word inspired a lot, but it, it's really <laughs> true. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, insp- I'm inspired by it. I really am because it's just, it's a, it's a tough field and that sense of security. It, it's, I mean, it sounds nice at, at, you know, on a very surface level, but diving into it, it it's, there, there's some holes in it. And it's something that, like you said, you can't just solely rely on your retirement your your retirement account it's just uh you have to diversify and also look at other options to help supplement your income and your retirement but with that being said i'd love to just dive into the story of your of the first the first indication so starting with identifying the market so which market did you uh did you get your first deal in So Oregon and Oregon is, I mean, you don't hear about it. You don't hear about people investing there, but my parents live there. And so when we first started out, we were just looking at properties up there just to kind of educate ourselves on different markets and what different deals looked like in different areas and price per unit and just how different things could look in different markets and what things to take into consideration when you're changing markets. And so we were doing it kind of just more as a practicing trial type thing and practicing running numbers. And then as we created a relationship with a broker up there, super young, hungry Marcus and Millichap broker. And he didn't ask us about our experience, which you always hear about coming in as a new operator 
operator in a syndication model, like they're going to be drilling you on your experience and want to know how serious you are. And we were shot and we got that like in a Georgia where we were looking, people were asking us and it kind of just, the conversation started to kind of fizzle out, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get it because they don't know if you're going to be taking your first steps quickly, I know operators who've been looking at deals for a year and still haven't taken that first step of like submitting an offer. So I totally get that. But this guy never asked us. He just was like kind of confident. We knew what we were doing. So it was, it was kind of great. And he was sending us really good deals. And when we started running the numbers, we didn't really even intend on investing there, but because we know the market so well, and we're running the numbers, we were just like, Oh, this is a great deal. Like, let's go check it out. Let's fly up there and look at it. And then after we did that, that's what we ended up investing in a 12 unit, strong value add in a coastal market in Oregon. Wow. That's, that's an awesome story just because, I mean, one, you're investing out of state and then two is like in a, I mean, your parents were there, but the, the amount of like legwork and research that you did, that you put into it. I mean, it wasn't like it was, it was a turnkey apartment building that's, that you got, like there was work that went into it. Now, how like roughly how long would you say that you were from the start when you were researching to to closing? Like how long was that process realistically? So researching a market, probably like a month or two before we started submitting offers, my husband and I were just so active and motivated and we were like ready to take those first steps. So we, if we found something good, we were submitting offers pretty quickly into when we started. Um, We did have the coach. So that helped in terms of making sure our numbers were backed. And so probably just a couple months before we submitted it and then got the offer accepted and moved forward with it. Nice. 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 And how did, how did y'all finance the deal? So we used a local credit union up there. They gave us a 75% 75% loan to value. So we came in with a 25% down payment. I think it was 3.8 uh, step down prepayment penalty, but we plan to own it for three years and we're working with the lender to see if we can kind of get out of that when it comes time to sell. He gave us some conditional things and we've done a couple more loans with him since then. So we've created nice. a really great relationship with the lender up there. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. And if if you don't mind me asking, then why was this person trying to sell their 12 unit? Like what was making yeah, why yeah. do they why do they want to sell it? So he was an older gentleman in his 80s. He was really getting rid and he lived down in San Diego. He was getting rid of all his properties up in Oregon and was 1031ing them into land in San Diego. So mm. he was pretty motivated to sell. And when my husband and I actually submitted the offer letter, we um, something I stole from Bigger Pockets. I submitted the offer letter, uh, a personal letter, just about this is our family. This is why we're investing in real estate. This is going to be our first apartment deal. We're super excited about it. And then I put a picture of my husband and I and our two daughters. And the seller received a higher offer and told our broker. He went with us specifically based on this letter. So cheesy stuff like that does work. Yeah. And, and I love that example too, just because uh, I know just to, you know, when, when jumping into this industry and, and just having that initial re- like a reaction to submitting something, just submitting an offer, I feel like a lot of people think that, that they kind of have to fake or like kind of hide their experience and they don't want to say that there's, there's, like this is their first deal. But the fact that y'all were transparent and authentic and genuine about putting in this offer and even showing your family that y'all are real people, I feel like that yeah. holds a lot of power to that letter itself. Yes. It just makes it more personal. I mean, it can be such a financial transaction of just 
you know, a transaction. But when you add stuff like that, it makes it a lot more personal and you're dealing with real people and he's owned this property for 20 plus years. So just showing him like, this is why we want to do it. I mean, he told her, his broker to tell us like, I wish I would have got started when I was your guys' age. Like, this is a great thing that you guys are doing with your family. Like good luck. And yeah, it worked out great. Yeah. Wow. wow, wow. So, so since that first deal, then how many deals have, have y'all done past that? What are, and when was, when was this first deal actually? That was in November when we officially closed on that. And we're about to close on a 24 unit that's up there in the same market. And I was so excited because I just raised $675,000 of capital for this deal. I was so excited. And then as like I got that call with my last investor assuring that I raised the final capital, my husband told me he submitted an offer and got accept- a verbal offer got accepted on an 18 unit up there. And so I need to keep the ball rolling with my capital raising. I'm like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, <laughs> but it's good news. No, that's, that's great news. And I mean, six, 675,000 raise, like that is a nice raise. Congratulations. And um, that was a lot of work. <laughs> oh, I, I can imagine. And, you know, diving into that raise in, in the fact that you said it was a lot of work. I feel like people, you know, have, have the tendency to say like, oh, you know, if the deal makes sense, like, of course it's going to be an easy yeah, raise. Always. That's what people told me. Yeah. Yeah. The numbers work, the money will come. Yeah. And in your experience, did that, did that happen? It does, but you need to get in front of different people. There's still work that comes into it. I mean, I know there's like big dogs out there who raise millions of dollars within 24 hours. You know, I'm definitely not there yet. So (laughs) it is a lot of work. It's a lot of reaching out to people, a lot of scheduling calls, and it can feel salesy. And I'm just not naturally a salesperson, but I do remind myself, like I'm offering an investment, like I make, I'm offering a service to these people. And it is great. Like when when you see the people watch these presentations and my webinars and their eyes light up of like, this is something that they can achieve by investing. Like it's super exciting to see that they're offered this opportunity that they never would have been offered otherwise. And it's really great to be able to provide that to people. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And with, with COVID and raising capital, like did that, I'm sure like that, that didn't really help raising capital and, and us being quarantined. But what was that experience like trying to raise capital during quarantine and during this pandemic? Yeah, getting creative. So definitely the people that are very risk adverse and we're kind of more like preparing for doomsday, they're going to keep all their money and everything super close to them. So they're probably not the right audience or investors that you want to be targeting for these type of capital raises. So Mm -hmm. some amazing things that the pandemic did was um, under the CARES Act, you could pull from your retirement accounts penalty-free. So super amazing because otherwise you get taxed 10% on that. You do get taxed on it through your taxes, like you do have to pay taxes on the money, but you can span it out in a three-year period. So it's really Mm -hmm. borrowing money at a very low rate. You can even borrow from your retirement account at like 3.5% right now. So just educating people on those different opportunities. So we pulled from our retirement account under the CARES Act penalty-free, and we actually had a couple other nurses do that and just kind of educated them on how they could do that. And then also pulling from home equity was a huge strategy that we shared with people because interest rates were so low low during this time that people were refinancing their homes anyways. So we were telling people, Hey, if you're refinancing your home anyways, and you have equity in it, why not take it out at a 4% interest rate and invest it in a real estate investment where you're getting 20%. I mean, it's a no brainer. So just educating people on those different opportunities is huge and where we spent a lot of our time. Mm. 
and and really just breaking down how it works and you know the returns and just the story yeah. of 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 the deal and that of course takes time and it's not just about numbers and uh, you know I always hear that you know people invest although you know people what, what was the people in uh, invest with their emotion or something you know what actually I don't even remember the I don't even remember the <laughs> phrase it was something that invest with their heart or invest with their yeah. People invest with people. So invest it like, so that was something when I launched my brand that I was working with a marketing coach who was really saying like, what you need to do is build trust with your investors. And the way you need to build trust is you need to get on YouTube and start putting out videos. And for me, way out of my comfort zone. Like I did not want to do that. I did not want to be the face of our business. Like that was not something I wanted to do. And like, here we are six months later, I'm like the net worth nurse and my face is everywhere. (laughs) It's a little cringy sometimes, honestly, but my, my, the marketing coach was really just like, this is what you need to be doing. And I read crushing it by Gary V an amazing book about just like building a brand, building a personal brand. And the more I started doing it, I was realizing like, all I have to do is be genuine. I'm not being anyone I'm not like, yeah, I'm in front of a camera or coming on these podcasts and sharing my story, but I'm not like fluffing things up and like, you know, telling things that aren't true. I'm just coming on here. I'm being genuine and I'm attracting the right people. So it's pretty awesome. It was just kind of getting over that, that like little mindset shift of like, okay, this is what it takes to build a business is marketing and brand building. And this is how you can do it and still be genuine to yourself. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And that's something that I'm on this journey of as, uh, as well. And because I come from a hip hop dancing engineering background, and you don't really hear many hip hop dancer, hip hop dancing engineers try and break into the multifamily industry. And so, you know, once I've tried to figure out and that being genuine and authentic is more powerful than just trying to be like somebody else. I, I think that's just, it's really powerful yeah. when trying to give off that story, you know, with, with, building your brands and having it be a little vulnerable at at certain times. I'd love to know just one of the more difficult challenges or or even failures that you've had when breaking way into this industry. Definitely. I think capital raising and trying to connect with people and talk about money. I mean, it's such a taboo topic to talk about. A lot of people don't feel comfortable talking about it, even with friends and family. I mean, you just don't hear that topic got brought up. I mean, it's kind of like religion or sex, you know, it's, it's taboo and certain, but then as you get into the real estate world and start connecting with other like-minded people, you realize there's tons of people that talk about money. They're just like in a completely different mindset with it. And so for me, that was big of being able to talk to people from an educated standpoint. So that was me educating myself. So I could have like the highest level of conversation with these people and come from uh, a kind of a, not an expert place, but a place of like, I've done my research and like, this is where I'm getting my information from a variety of resources, not just one person. People can be pretty skeptical about it. I mean, I legit had people when I was sharing about what my husband and I were doing in real estate and doing these syndication models, like some people asked me straight up if it was a pyramid scheme, like, you know, and <laughs> it's like, I, I was kind of confused of like where they're getting that from, but like people are just so mistrusted with certain aspects of these transactions that you really have to get over that step of educating people and becoming comfortable with what you are doing. Yeah. And I get that all the time too. Cause, well, cause, cause like when you, when we say like, oh, you can create passive income or you can create another stream of income. Uh, it, 
I feel like people always like tend to gravitate towards that, uh, oh, get rich quick scheme or, oh, Amazon drop shipping or, oh, just yeah. like something that may sound too good to be true. And right. and I think this sometimes like even the term financial freedom, all as great of a term that it is, it's definitely something that kind of makes people not trust it in a certain right. way because they think there's like a little bit of a catch to yes. it. Now, when you describe you, you know this syndication, is there or uh, this syndication model to people? Is there like a specific way that you describe it to where it's not a pyramid scheme, or do you just kind of say how it is, and then if they believe it, they believe it; or if they don't, and if they don't, they don't. Yes, I explain it through the numbers. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. So I, I mean, originally, even when I started learning about syndications and, oh, you'll be financially free and this is what you can do. And with, with real estate, I was a little skeptical at first, but then when you start seeing the numbers and it's broken down into like, okay, this is how much you're getting debt for and you're investing it in this. And then you're, you're doing these kind of renovations and then you're increasing rents like this. And then the numbers look like, this, this is your operating income. You divide it amongst investors. And then this is the returns you're getting. When it was explained to me in numbers, and then also kind of the backstory of it, of like what you need to do to get to the numbers of like, okay, raising rents, doing renovations to increase rents, rents that are below market value because the building across the street has rents at this, and this building is way below and we need to raise it up. Like those concepts to me are not foreign. It's understandable. Rents raise. We all rent have rented in our lives. So we understand that concept of multifamily and paying for rent. So when you can kind of show both sides of the picture of like, these are the numbers, this is the strategy. This is how it goes together. This is what we're doing to create these returns. People who are savvy with that and understand are, are on board with it. Then they get it. Mm. I love it. I love it. And so, you know, next, Switching gears, switching gears now, what are the main, I know, I know y'all just submitted an offer and y'all raised 675K. Congratulations again. Now, what, what's the main focus then from here for the next year and even the next five years then? Definitely to just, for me, reach out to more people and kind of spread what I'm doing. I'm really going to get strategic about trying to get in front of medical professionals. Because like you said, there's just like a lot of real estate investor people in the space. And that's like amazing. But I'm really trying to niche down and get in front of my avatar, which is medical professionals. So finding out the best way to do that, whether it's starting my own nursing podcast. So I appeal more to those people or creating webinars or getting involved in more heavily in Facebook groups, like trying to find out where my avatar hangs out and then being able to get in front of them more specifically to be able to get, provide our investment opportunity with other people and then do more deals and kind of roll from there to scale the business. That's kind of my big strategy over the next year. With, with that big strategy, uh, are you looking to eventually leave the the medical profession and have something like, or is that, is that a taboo topic? No, people always, well, I feel like 50% of the people ask me that. I love nursing so much. I have like, I've always had my eyes set on like a CNO position, even once I started nursing Mm -hmm. and realized that was something I could do. So I kind of have my eyes set on that and I'm going to keep, I've been climbing the ladder within the organization that I'm working at. And I, 
um, want to kind of keep seeing that through. Our goal has always been for my husband to quit his job and work full-time on real estate first. So that's something that we hope to achieve in the next three to five years. And then he'll be a full-time real estate professional. And then I'll see, I mean, I love nursing. I love what I do. I love the people I work with, but I wouldn't, it's, I want to have the option. I guess the reason that I wanted to do it was to have the option of not feeling like I have to work as a nurse 40 hours a week till I'm 65 to quote unquote retire. That's not, I didn't want to be living like that. I wanted to have the option. And and I love that mindset too. And just that approach and perspective to life is that you're not tied down to just this job. And I feel like once you realize that you have the option that you can focus on like the more brighter things in life, like family and, yes, and um, traveling. Yeah. traveling. Yeah. That everybody really wants to do and post on Instagram about. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, cool. And then, uh, you know, with the, now, now moving forward then, and even like thinking on like a, a larger, grander scale, actually, you know, you already kind of answered this question already, but I was going to say what, what is the legacy and that you want to leave on this on this world. And like, how do you want your family and friends to remember you by? Yeah, definitely getting my daughters involved. I was just at a real estate conference where I was talking to these other two amazing women who have their kids legit involved in their real estate. One of them has like two shipping containers on their property that they do Airbnbs for. And she has two kids and each one of them's managing them. And she says they like make it competitive, that they love it. And just something like that is so cool of being able to teach my daughters kind of the concept of passive income and real estate investing and working as a team to create this financial wealth and with other people. And just that concept of passive income is something I want to pass on to my daughters and my family. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. And and I definitely want to do that with with my future kids too and, and try and get them as involved as, as soon as possible. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, that's inspiring. I'm gonna use that word one last time for for this episode. <laughs> uh and now if people want to get in touch with you and and learn more about what you're doing, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, the net worth nurse. So you can find me as the net worth nurse on all social media handles. So that's Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm pretty heavy on social media. It's just my favorite way to connect with people and give you kind of an inside look of what I'm doing with real estate and kind of some personal things too. I sometimes post obnoxiously cute pictures of my kids. So um, I do a little <laughs> bit of everything. And my website's The Net Worth Nurse. My email is Savannah at The Net Worth Nurse. If you're even remotely interested in anything I'm doing or kind of what I'm saying, please reach out to me. I love connecting with people. Awesome. Thank you. And those will all be in the show notes as well. And thank you so much for your time, Savannah. I appreciate you. And I can't wait for this Friday's Action Items episode. And we'll see you all next time. Thank you, Taylor. It was so much fun. Thanks for listening to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. If you got any value out of this episode, I'd greatly appreciate if you head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review the show, which will help more people receive that same value. If you're looking to connect and talk more about multifamily real estate, you can reach me at inrhythmmultifamily.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.